Hey guys, just a quick note before the podcast. If you guys are interested in branding, marketing, or sales, I have a free masterclass on our website, www.codesa.io slash training, or you can just go to the website and click get the free masterclass. It's a great six days email series. It's all about branding, marketing, and tactics to grow your sales. Also, we have a new podcast series, CMO and Joe. We're interviewing the best and top and brightest CMOs, chief marketing officers and marketers of lucrative companies. It's a great listen if you'd like to listen. And yeah, just let me know what you guys think. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week, I talked to Benjamin Z. He's the CEO of Decibel Cannabis Company. They're a publicly traded company providing the highest quality cannabis products and retail experiences. On the podcast, we talk about how to make important decisions as a leader, how to deliver a great product through listening to your customers, the common myths about entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leader and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe.codesa.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear. I read them all out of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. have you on Ben. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of your origin story for our listeners. Yeah, no, my uh, my career has been pretty much all over the map. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was 17 when I started my first business. So I'm 37 now, so we're thinking 20 years ago um, before eBay or eBay was in its infancy. There was no PayPal at the time. Um, Amazon was literally just selling books and we went in trying to sell car parts online. So that was quite interesting. And with, uh, some good luck with fast and furious, the first movie being released that summer, um, we saw significant sales, um, uptake. So it was really a nice learning story for myself, for my career, as we, uh, understood how business worked and, getting to practice it in real life was uh, extremely instrumental as I started realizing that building businesses was something that I was interested in to do full time. So from there on, I was, I just never looked back. Um, You know, I've been involved in real estate, pretty much all facets. I've owned a liquor store. Um, I've had multiple tech companies um, ranging from e-commerce to app development. And, uh, really led me to cannabis, which I deem as a, an emerging market being here in Calgary, you know, you're surrounded by oil and, and seeing how the commodity prices for oil is always so volatile. Um, and so when cannabis started being legalized, I was like, wow, I really want to get in on this opportunity because it's a greenfield industry in the sense that, you know, in my lifetime, I don't know if there's ever going to be another opportunity for something to have such exponential growth. So January 1st of 2019, I joined We Grow BC, um, a private cultivator based out of Creston, BC. And um, we're most known for our Quest cannabis brand. 
So Quest Cannabis is one of the highest premium uh, cannabis brands in all of Canada. And so with that, I was effectively building a startup at a larger scale um, in a startup industry. And we learned a lot there being um, taking the company to a situation where we're profitable by July. Um, again, in the industry, that was, I would say, an anomaly. We built a significant brand presence with Quest. And that led me to doing a transaction that closed December 20th of 2019, so roughly about six months ago. Um, and now all of a sudden, in a matter of a year and year and a half, I'm now the CEO of a public company learning about what uh, public reporting's like and all the regulatory things that come with um, managing a public company. And I've embraced it. I really do appreciate it. I think it's been a tremendous learning experience and very happy to be where I am. And cannabis now is an essential service. So it's amazing that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, if you have told me that I would have been get out of here, but now it's an essential service and we're running a business in a new industry. You mentioned that when you first started, it was when you were 17. It sounds like you're an entrepreneur through and through. What made you want to decide to venture into business and kind of stay put in business uh, in terms of leadership and also building your businesses? Yeah, you know what? I think it's the freedom. Um, you know, not being constrained to set working hours and making decisions that, you know, you're, you're absolutely in control of. Um, but also providing value and, and understanding that you're able to do things. I was always very resistant to people telling me I couldn't do something. And throughout my career, um, that was pretty much the message I got. You know, you're, you're crazy to think at 17 you can start a business. You're crazy to think people are going to order things from you online. You're crazy this, you're crazy that. And I just thought, well, I believe that that's the way it's going to be. And and I want to give it a shot. I think trying is extremely important. And as I continue to try and started to see some success and a lot of failures, um, I realized that I could never be confined to uh, a situation where someone is telling me what to do and day in and out, that's all I'm doing. So being able to optimize, build things, grow things and make things better was a passion that I still have to this day. What would you have told little Ben years and years ago before you started your whole journey? What would you have said to him that you wish you would have known uh, when you when you first started your your uh, journey? Yeah, I think you know that's a great question, and I don't know if I would have had too much instruction for seventeen um, year old Ben, um, but somewhere around the along the way, what really changed my approach to business and my success, I think, was a little bit of humility and understanding that um, my thought process or, or my desire or my way was not the end all and be all. So, you know, there has to be a healthy mix. As an entrepreneur, you're going to get a lot more no's than you'll get yeses. Um, rejection is pretty commonplace. You know, when I was pitching for investment, um, trying to get customers, you're constantly told no. And you develop a very thick skin in the sense that um, resiliency is probably the word where you're commit, you're confident in your own abilities to deliver and you're just out there trying to execute. I would say around my mid 
early to mid twenties, I realized that, um, in addition to being very confident and continue to ask questions and, and reach out to people, I needed to start listening to the answers that were coming back to me and really understanding why I was getting rejected. Um, when I was able to pair the two and find that middle ground of distilling what was appropriate and adjusting as a result of the rejection, um, my close rate or my success rate was infinitely much higher. And so, you know, the advice I would give is you got to go through that period where you're learning, but be open and, and really understand the rejection because it helps shape the way you position your next question and your next ask. And I think that's important for success. You speak of rejection. Would you say there's been one that comes to mind or maybe even a challenge or a failure that, that you really learned from? Yeah, you know, I, you know when, you, when you kind of asked me that on the spot, I've been very fortunate that I don't have any acute failures that I can cite as game-changing. Um, I think failure to recognize the efforts of hard work early on would have uh, allowed me to reach a higher trajectory of success early on. Um, but that again comes with maturity. And so I think, you know, I spoke to it earlier, being resilient um, in the face of failure. I don't, I don't actually, failure is a very negative word, a lot of connotation um, with the negative stigma on it. And I don't believe that should be the case. I believe that we should embrace failure and the most important thing, as I alluded to earlier, is to learn from it. So any situation that you might define as failure, in my view, is a learning, um, it's a learning experience. And as long as you can learn from it and make yourself better and have the ability to bounce back, then it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be spoken with a negative connotation, right? It should be a positive for you because it's building you up. Exactly. You learn from failure or not failures, but you learn from challenges and you grow from them and you that's what ultimately helps you become successful. You talked about resiliency, uh, learning from feedback. Uh, if you have to distill that into one specific unique skill that you think you have that's made you become successful, what would you say that would be? Um, you know, I think I, I, we're, we're speaking from my career choice as being an entrepreneur and it's become such a buzzword these days. Um, there's a lot of, lot of glorification on social media. And a big part of that is because we see the successes of all these, um, and aptly so, rightfully so, very successful entrepreneurs. As a result, we create this almost inspiration for the next generation to follow. Um, but I will caution that for every one of these success stories, there are a lot of failures or challenges, um, setbacks that don't make it into the public eye. Um, and a true, the, like the true testament to an entrepreneur is not the successes that he's managed to accumulate throughout his career or, or execute on. It really is a testament to his ability to stay resolute throughout the process and to be able to navigate all the rejection get through all the hardships, balance the relationships. It's not just business related. You know, there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice, both financially and personally for entrepreneurs to get to the level of success that the rest of the public um, starts to view. 
And I think that skill set, um, staying level-headed such that you're not emotionally vested too much into these sacrifices, managing those relationships allows for an individual to be successful, not just as an entrepreneur, but in life um, in general. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super glad you even mentioned the level-headedness and even the social media aspect. I agree with you. I think lots of times on social media, you see the buzzword entrepreneur and think it's all about the private jets and uh, champagne bottles, but there's really lots of groundwork and resiliency, like you mentioned, hearing no's, getting rejection, building that thick skin. Like, don't get me wrong. Like you should definitely embrace success. So Mm -hmm. if if you like the private jets and, and you like the champagne and you've earned it, go for it. Um, but again, like I, I just want to bring it to a more practical and realist point of view, like those individuals that earn that right, um, speaking to those that are legitimate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, they didn't get there because they decided to start a company and not put in the work, not put in the sacrifice and not face um, some of the char- challenges such as, you know, maybe not making their bills and not being able to pay pay for their employees' payrolls. There's a lot of difficult decisions, you know. Um, something I tell everybody, when the higher up in the food chain, if you call it, um, of a company or, or um, I guess, in an organization that you get, the more difficult the decision-making becomes because you're tasked with decisions that there's no clear right answer. It's between a rock and a hard place. You know, you, you make one, you can make a decision based on a set of factors and there really is no right decision, but you're forced to make it for the viability of the business or for the success of your company. And um, that's the stuff that aspiring entrepreneurs really should grasp onto. Um, And once they've made all these difficult decisions and they've managed to navigate through some of those hardships, you know, they've earned the right to pop bottles. (laughs) You've led many teams, but what has been the best resources that's helped you along the way? Good question. Um, I read a lot. So, you know, I think books are extremely instrumental to presenting a point of view. Um, I think especially in this day and age, there's a lot of information overload. So it's up to us as individuals to distill the information we process into what applies to specific situations um, into our own lives. And the only way you can do that is by getting as much information as you can. So, you know, reading is key. Um, but more importantly is, is surrounding yourself with people that can support you. That doesn't necessarily mean they all have to be aligned in your vision. As I mentioned before, um, early on, and, you know, even to this day, I get met with a lot of rejection or I shouldn't say rejection, criticism as to the decisions I've been making. Um, and you have to really accept those and distill them into, are they speaking from a position of experience? Um, what makes them say the things they do? And then analyze that to apply it on a go forward. So I've been fortunate enough to have a really strong group of friends. Um, I've tapped out into I guess, communities and networks that allow me to get the support I need. Um, And without that type of personal sacrifice that your friends are willing to give to you on an ongoing business, or sorry, on an ongoing basis to critique your ideas, to give you real-time feedback, 
um, I wouldn't be where I was today or where I am today. Has there been anything recently that you've read or maybe even listened to that's uh, inspired you? Yeah, you know, uh, especially right now with um, COVID, Ray Dalio puts out um, regular blogs. Um, I believe it's on Medium. And um, I think his way of thinking is very level in terms of the panic and hysteria that we're used to seeing. Um, I recently reread the book, The Art of Thinking Clearly. Um, and it's a, it's a collection of anecdotes that really changes the perspective of the mind. So a lot of outside of the box thinking um, that I think is key. You know, again, this is my personal view, but we're so used to having people tell us things today that we've almost lost the ability as a generation um, to make our own rational decisions. And that to me is quite saddening because the references of the information that is provided may not be that strong these days. So case in point, you know, um, email forwards where it's qualified by, oh, this came from a professor at Harvard no name, no citation, no peer review. And uh, all of a sudden you get everybody passing it off as fact. And so it's extremely important these days for our generation to maintain some semblance of critical thought, right? To assess what we're reading and how it applies to us. And if it makes sense, a lot of times, a lot of these things don't make sense, but because we, we see the qualifying reference, we just assume it to be truth. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to process more information, read more such that you can, for lack of a better term, call bullshit when, when you see it. Now that's super important too, because as you're probably already aware of too, on social media, there's a ton of content uh, being hosed down, down our throats and it might not always be factual. So having that critical thoughts, like you're saying, to actually analyze and think about what's being said is really important. Right. What's one common myth about your industry, but um, from our conversation so far, uh, you've mentioned you've worked here, two entrepreneurs, so you've done so many different ventures and um, dabbled in a few industries, but I'll ask you maybe what's one common myth about entrepreneurship that you want to disbunk? Yeah, and I, you know, I think we spoke a little bit about it. It's not all the glam. In fact, more people fail um, then succeed. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you see, but we don't, we don't highlight those, right? Um, we highlight those who have succeeded. Um, an analogy I use is like, you know, this is 20 years ago, but growing up, um, everybody aspired to win the lottery, you know, like they're, they're like, Oh, what would you do if you, uh, won the lottery? And it's like, Oh, I buy this, I buy a Ferrari, I go travel the world. Now you talk to people, it's like, oh, what would you do if you created the next Amazon or created the next Uber? Um, and so the aspiration has shifted to become an entrepreneur who's created a very successful company out of nothing, for lack of a better term. And so um, that's what I wanted to dispel. It's not that easy. There are a ton of people who try to start businesses and they've done everything right um, and still fail. And so a lot of those people might have given up after the first or second failure and 
could have been a very successful entrepreneur if they kept going with it. So this is really a lifestyle choice and not a career choice. Like you don't choose to become an entrepreneur because there's job certainty and certainty of income. You choose that because you're passionate about what you're creating. Um, too oftentimes it's linked to money, but I always believe that if that's your motivating factor, um, you're going to make some, you're going to make some wrong choices and you may not build the company that is supported by the consumers that you need. Cause at the end of the day, you're going to need sales. And when it's predicated basically on margin and profitability, um, you end up with the wrong alignment with your consumers. So when I relate it back to decibel cannabis company, like culture is extremely important. Um, putting out a quality product, I think that's what's allowed us to maintain such a strong position with our brand. Because early day in cannabis, it was just about volume and getting product to market and sales. But you know, cannabis is a very niche product. There are different grades and different qualities. And I believe that if we continue to focus on providing a good customer experience um, by delivering high quality product, then we're always going to be aligned with our consumers. And as such, the company can grow. Is there anything in particular you're curious about? Well, I'm, I'm sure everybody is thinking about this. Um, myself, I'm really wondering, and I have been for some while now, what the economic fallout from COVID is going to look like. Um, it's unfortunate, but the reality is all the stimulus, all the assistance that has been placed on the market and what have you is is likely going to take us several years, if not generations to pay back. Um, and it's going to really change the way this, that we approach the world and travel habits and all that good stuff. So what does that look like for me personally, for my family, um, but also for the business, right? We've, we're two months in and we're starting here in Calgary. Anyway, we're starting to open up again, but a lot of companies could not survive that shutdown. And the ones that are going to win are those who have evolved in real time to whatever that that new reality looks like. Um, like you think about nightclubs and stuff, there's been several openings around the world um, and then quickly shut down because it, it resulted in uh, another outbreak. Can you imagine going to a club where it's like 50% capacity and everybody has to stand six feet apart? It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, um, that's just one of a few examples that I think about all the time, because as we we as leaders have to look towards what six months from now looks like a year, three years, five years and what those impacts could have on our company. Right. Absolutely. Do you see any resounding impacts on your company? Yeah, you know, I think uh, we dealt with um, some of the some of the safety concerns early on in terms of, uh, you know, whether our employees felt comfortable enough to, to work. And I thought my team did a really good job to reassure them and provide the necessarily necessary PPE such that they had that comfort level. Um, we're at the premium segment, you know, we're one of the highest price points in all of Canada um, for a product. So you would think that, as people start to lose their jobs or get laid off, um, spending habits might change. 
And so that's something we are assessing. We're not seeing that today. I think that's because we're still pushing out a quality product, but um, there could be a sentiment change there or sentiment shift. Um, but, you know, that's what I was saying early on in our conversation. It's crazy that cannabis is deemed essential now. And so as a result, we're, we're, we're luckier than than most and weren't required to shut down our company. Um, but what that impact looks like, I don't quite know. Will there be an impact? Absolutely. So my next question kind of dovetails from what you're saying, uh, but how has Calgary changed uh, from when you first started to, to now? Well, you know, I grew up um, when I was, well, 20 years ago. So I saw Calgary for the better part of my life um, extremely prosperous. You know, oil went through several cycles, um, but each time it rebounded and um, was basically a blip in terms of company performance. So now this most recent downturn with oil, I believe is something that's going to be around for a little bit longer. It's, it's not no longer short-term inflection, but rather the new reality of changing global sentiment on, on energy. Um, try not to steer too much into politics, but the lack of support from federal government for each of its provinces, not restricted to Alberta, and the lack of alignment as a country with respect to how we want to protect our resources. So that reality has hit and, you know, being in Calgary, you're starting to see um, vacancy in commercial and, and, and a lot of lowered morale. But what is astounding to me is, um, I, in my view, a deeper focus on community and building up small business and replacing, um, replacing energy as a primary industry, um, which, you know, it likely isn't going to happen in the near term, but the fact that we're trying to embrace the tech company or sorry, the tech companies, um, seeing one of the biggest financings with cement, like we're starting to become accepted to the reality that energy might not be the end all be all for, for Alberta and embracing different revenues through um, diversifying our industries, that's awesome, right? We as Canadians are very proud and we're resilient. And I think um, Calgary and, and the rest of Alberta is showing that. So we will get through it, um, but it's just gonna take some time and certainly some support um, nationally, federally, as well as globally. What you mentioned, Calgary becoming more of a tech community. Uh, do you see Calgary becoming, or even Alberta becoming, a technology hub in Canada? Oh, absolutely. You know, we got Calgary International. Um, so we got, like, traveling is not a problem. We got good infrastructure and good talent. Um, plenty of cheap office space now downtown. So there's no reason with the right, um, I guess, incentives, we can't turn this into... A, a nice tech hub. And um, we're starting to see that, you know, before I joined um, We Grow BC and now Effectively Decibel, I was heavily involved in the local tech scene and 
yeah, there's a lot of smart people there trying to bring more attention to uh, Alberta's tech scene. And, and that's, that's something that we can do and we absolutely should do, right? Then you got cannabis as a growing industry and we got several companies headquartered here in Alberta. And um, I think that's another industry that we really need to take a serious look at supporting. Um, supporting more, you know, we are getting support, but like more so because we don't want to continue to rely on energy as the only industry that supports this nation. Right. We need a certain level of diversification, whether that be through tech or cannabis. But I, I absolutely agree that uh, maybe not so so much focusing on just energy would be a, will lead to a more prosperous country. Um, well, it's, it's just that, sorry, I was just going to speak on that. Like at the end of the day, Canada is resource rich, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we do have, it's, it's not going away. So I'm not anti-energy. And in fact, I am a very big supporter of it, but the, the country has to support that. So we can't be disjointed as a country. And then, cause that, what that ends up happening is other countries can take advantage. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'm pretty open. So people feel comfortable asking me anything. I don't on the spot here. I don't have an answer for you. Is there anything that you think is off the wall that you can ask me? What is your definition of gratitude? Let's go with that. Well, I think it all starts internally. Um, gratitude is something that is, in my view, a mindset. So I, I compare that to those who say thank you um, versus those who mean thank you. You know, um, I think it comes down to what your perspective in life is. Because there's someone who can have everything in the world and have no gratitude, um, and then someone with very little and have absolute gratitude and still be much more comfortable with all aspects of life because they're able to really put things into perspective. So, you know, for myself, I am very grateful that, you know, I have a very supportive family. Um, I've managed to get to the other side, if you will, uh, of entrepreneurship, where I've learned a lot early on and got to somewhat success where um, I'm comfortable making additional decisions that may not be as risky as they were early on in my life. Um, But more importantly, like I'm healthy, and we're in the midst of a very serious, um, I guess, health crisis. And, you know, myself, my family, everybody I know are healthy. And, uh, we're not seeing some of the craziness that New York or Italy saw. So there's a lot of things, despite the negativity or the pessimism in the world these days, for us to be grateful for. And that's what I grasp onto. Uh, what I was also going to ask you is, well, for me personally, at least, I find that uh, mindset and entrepreneurship is a big element as well with the resiliency and all that. How has mindset affected your success and uh, your performance through through your journey? Oh, it's key. Um, almost everything I spoke to today relates back to mindset. Again, um, not to make light of it, but there's it's another one of those buzz topics with a heavy focus on meditation, um, which which I I partake in. I guess what I'm trying to say is 
you, you can't just assign one word to capture everything. Um, so an entrepreneur is not just an entrepreneur and mindset is not just mindset. Like you have to put in practice. It takes time to develop and it's a, it's an everyday part of your life kind of thing. And it's not restricted to just your career, but everything you do in life, um, the mindset with which you approach it uh, influences all other facets. So for me, from my perspective is to remain fairly level. So, you know, I don't get too high on my successes and I don't get too low on my failures um, because well, one thing I, I always say is the only certainty in life is uncertainty. So you might think that you're at the top of the world one day and um, the very next day something could happen and completely shift your position. So having the mindset to be able to deal with those things with the right resources and right attention is extremely critical to success in life. I only have a couple more questions here for you, Ben. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, well, I have, uh, I'm on Facebook um, under my full name. I'm on LinkedIn under my full name. I keep a personal Instagram account, um, BKSZE. I, I, it's mostly my kids, so not a whole lot of interesting <laughs> stuff there. But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people. Then send me a quick note. I'm happy to help anyone else out. Because I, like I said earlier, wouldn't be here without the support that I had throughout my career. Um, would love to pay it forward if given the opportunity. So um, just reach out. In this day and age, I feel like you have someone's name and you'll be able to find out how to get a hold of them. That's uh, on par for the digital age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, scary, but it is there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what I usually like to do to end the podcast is uh, kind of give the floor to the guest. Uh, they could either ask a question to the audience or even uh, tell a quote or a story to leave them uh, marinating with this interview. Great. Um, you know, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I think we need more of this community feel. Um, so maybe I should ask you, you've, you've probably interviewed all sorts of different people now um, and have exposure to quite a diverse set of unique stories. In your view, what's the most um, instrumental to your own life in terms of, uh, I guess, instruction or experience or insight that you've received? That's a great question. For me personally, I have to say the gratitude piece and also surrounding yourself with uh, great people. Perspective has also been a huge element as well because you can always be too high, like you're saying, too high or too low, but I usually like to keep in the middle. And uh, yeah, just having that perspective and gratitude for um, I'm healthy, I'm, I'm, I'm still breathing, and I, I implore that to our listeners. What's, what's been instrumental to your success or your, your life? 